0: where myself and other women discuss the seen and unseen challenges and biases that women and girls face on a daily basis and how women in business are working towards changing this narrative. Today, I'm joined by Tiffany Lee, who is a parent and sleep coach, TLC. And we will be talking about having daughters and bringing them up in today's world and also how different children behave regarding their gender. So, hello, Tiffany.
1: Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Thank you for being my first guest.
1: We love a chat. So, it's lovely to be able to share this with other people.
0: Exactly, it's wonderful. So yeah how do you feel about bringing up a daughter in 2022?
1: Well it's funny because I was so desperate for a boy. I remember driving and we found out when I was pregnant and I just had in my head I was having a boy and then um, Amelie's dad turned to me and he said what do you think we're having? I went actually my gut says it's a little girl so when they did the scan it's a little girl I was like oh okay And now I have a daughter. I can't imagine having a son. I've got a stepdaughter as well. So my poor fiance. um, There's a lot of women in the house. Two girl dogs as well. Um, So it's lovely, and I can't. And I love the fact that I've got two girls as well, because that's really nice. It makes life a lot easier with sharing clothes and that sort of thing. But it is a pressure. There is a lot of, you know, I think with the Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, and they're really aware of these things as well. And they're both heavily into their acting and what they look like it's I feel a pressure to get it right and to make them accepting of who they are in their own skin in lots of ways in 2022 it's easier because they can be anything and there's a lot more acceptance but also there is more pressure in other ways so
0: I agree completely and having two daughters myself it is really quite difficult sometimes because you can bring them up a certain way in the home but there's so many outside influences aren't there
1: yeah I actually had an incident last week we were down at my mother-in-law's and she had some scales just around and the kids got hold of them and they wanted to weigh themselves and I was like right okay i prepped for this I know how I'm going to handle this in my head and my stepdaughter is really tiny for her age and very healthy but very small whereas my my daughter is a big seven-year-old and so there's not much between them weight-wise and they both jumped on the scales and I was like, okay here it goes she's gonna see that there's not much difference and there's like four years between them and and they both went oh Look how big we are! Look how much we've grown! Look at this! And I saw, sort I of was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's great, that's fantastic." There was no like, "Oh, but I'm seven, and I am only sort of a stone and a half less than her, and she's 11 There was none of that. It was just sheer joy in the fact that they were growing and developing and getting bigger. And and I thought sometimes I think as grown ups we put our own fears and our own childhood. I was always a chubby child, and I was bullied a bit for it. And I just think it, I feel really nervous that's going to happen for my daughter. And actually, she didn't. She just celebrated the fact that she was healthy and she was growing I was like yeah actually so I think it's really important that we don't put our own grown-up fears onto our children and preempt situations it's good to have an an idea of how you think you might handle something because you know when you're dealing with awkward conversations it's good to sort of have a route but actually sometimes um, as we find with children all the time they just blow you out the water and take it in a completely different tangent so I was really proud of them for that and um, relieved as a parent as well
0: yeah I agree again mine are both very petite and a lot of their peers are much bigger than them they don't ever say oh why am I so petite why am I so small they just accept that everyone's different and I was always very petite as well in fact when I was a baby my mum had to move on to disposable nappies when it was the time when everyone just used reusables because they fell off and I used to be told that I didn't really have a bum and I was a bony bum and I've had as an Adult people saying to me, "Oh Alice, you're looking terribly thin," and I just thought, like, if I was overweight or verging on that, would people come up to me and say, "Oh Alice, you're looking terribly fat"? You no, know,
1: I can tell they'll say, "Oh, you look really healthy." <laughs> like it's just a way of saying you've put on some weight. Why is it okay to comment on people's weight? I think mean, yeah. that's you know, probably a whole other conversation. But yeah, it is something that I've, I'm aware of. I'm totally responsible for what I feed my stepdaughter's any here every other weekend. You know, but I'm totally responsible for my daughter and what she's. Bed apart from when she's at school so if she was overweight then that's down to me and I feel a huge not a burden but a responsibility for that I take it really seriously and so the fact that she sort of was celebrating her size I just I hope it lasts and I'm sure there will be at the moment she's seven they notice differences and celebrate them in each other so you know whether that be skin tone where they come from whether mummies and daddies live together and I really hope that putting in the groundwork now that they'll be able to carry that on but I you know I don't have a teenage daughter yet so I'll let you know in a few years time how that works out for me
0: (laughs) yeah I mean I know an 11 year old who uses TikTok and stuff and and I took a picture of her and she said oh no no don't don't show it to anyone it doesn't have a filter and I thought she wouldn't have said that a couple of years ago
1: No, no obviously being a parent coach they do use internet have boundaries around it and that sort of thing But they do watch YouTube and they see these children and what they're supposed to look like or how they're supposed to act or toys they're supposed to be playing. And they're hugely influenced by it. It is scary because the world is such a, the world is always a big place, but it's so much more accessible now. You know, most of the things she watches are American children. So where she wouldn't have had that, you know, when we were younger, we didn't. But then also I think that there was more pressure when we were younger to maybe be as a girl a certain way my dad was always like you should do a secretary course you should definitely do a secretary course because then you'll always be able to get work and it was coming from a good place but that was his perception so my brothers did mechanics and I did a secretary course and obviously I quite bold and said no I would be so bored doing that that's not me at all but that was what he thought you know that's what you should do as a girl you should do a secretary course and then you know you'll always have work yeah well that's yeah. because
0: that was always what was done wasn't it that's basically Post war, I mean, even before the war, that was the type of job that middle class women were looking into doing, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't. Then the world's obviously changed massively since that time, but I've seen it myself as well. Like, I've always been a stay at home parent. My mum was a stay at home parent. I'm really thankful that I've had that opportunity, but I just felt something inside of me that I wanted to do something else. So I started Alice Clover Stories four years ago, and it's obviously grown grown and grown and I've met incredible people like yourself and I feel really thankful because obviously you know if it wasn't for the internet then I wouldn't be in the position that I am in and I like to be able to show the girls because sometimes it's easy to lose your identity as a mother isn't it and 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 I feel like they kind of sometimes. I mean they're getting better now because they're getting older but first and foremost I am their mum and I always will be their mum and that's how it should be but I also like to inspire them and give them um, ideas and let them know that they can do anything that they want to do regardless of the fact that they're girls.
1: This is literally why I do the job that I do because I was a regional manager. I had 37, you know, as a, as a nursery manager. The nursery had won an award. I was like classed as successful. My career was sorted and then I had this baby and I'm an hour away from any family. I couldn't even get myself organised to get out the front door and as someone with a degree in early childhood studies, people looked at me and thought, well, she knows what she's doing and I is that loss of identity and it's like, what should I be doing now and I was a stay-at-home mum only for eight months and then I felt this huge guilt because I wanted to work and I needed that something for myself I needed to be tiff again away from my daughter and then I felt this guilt like oh god because I was lucky that I had the choice at that time I was you know um, with Emily's dad and we did financially I could stay at home but I didn't want to and and that made me feel horrendous and that's why I sort of felt so lost and when I came to set up this company it was just about I just wanted mums to feel okay in the path that they're choosing for being a mother's so actually if you want to go back to work eight or six five days a week and that's what's best for you then that's going to be what's best for your child you know as long as they've got good child care and you're actually a happy mum happy baby and there isn't a one-size-fits-all which is really great because it gives us opportunity but it also Sometimes I think, I do think maybe it would be easier to sort of exist 50 years ago when it was very much black and white and it was sort of dictated. In some ways, maybe was easier, whereas now sort of the world's your oyster, you can do what you want. And I think it's really hard because I think until you have children, you think that you're going to be a certain way. I always thought I would just love being a stay-at-home mum and I love children, but I just missed something off me. And so I only work part-time, but I really feel passionately about letting mums know that it's okay you know whatever they choose and it works for their family that that's all right you're not going to be damaging your child you know you're not a horrific person for wanting to get a bit of yourself back and actually like you said you're in, then inspiring your children to want to do more but that doesn't mean that people that are stay at home mums and don't have like a side hustle they're not inspiring their children they're setting the way in the best way that they know how everyone is doing their best and i think as mums my mum said it to me in the hospital i think i've said this to you before you know you've had this baby you now get given a backpack and it's basically a backpack of guilt and as you walk through your journey as a mother you just get to add to it and add to it and add to it and just feel more guilty about all the things you're doing and not doing correctly she said take my advice take off the backpack now she said just know and trust that you're doing your best at every stage and I, I really do try and live by that you know sometimes it's easier than others you know she's in bed nicely at half seven and it's all gone really well and we've had a lovely evening and other mornings I drop her off at school and it's been a massive rush and shouty mummy and it's just sort of but you know at any stage I think we're all just doing our best yeah because motherhood's hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and there is a lot of pressure and like you say you know 50 years ago women did tend to stay at home I mean some of them did work but it was the Mm -hmm. norm to be at home and again I mean the thing is it's personality types. I was talking to somebody who also has she's got three little girls and she thought that she would be really happy being at home, wanting to be like her mum, but she realised that she's actually inherited a lot of her dad's personality traits and felt it was quite a struggle to be at home and not as she imagined it. And that's yeah. kind of resonated with me because I felt like, yes, I do enjoy being at home with them. But at the same time, I carried a lot of guilt because I felt like I was being a really bad mum because I was just so tired all the time and shouty, like you said, and not able to give the girls the best of me and I mean it's getting easier as they're getting older anyway because they can do things for themselves I feel a bit more like me like yesterday I I just went off to the local park and just sat by the trees and had a picnic and just watched the world go by and then came back and just felt so
1: much better for it because I'd given myself that space yeah and then, I, there's this huge movement isn't there about oh it's so important to have this self-care and then it's just a, like another thing to feel guilty about a lot of the time because like oh, I I haven't painted my nails or like you have to Quantify your self care as something other than oh, I just took a wee by myself and it was amazing, you know. And I think that, like I say, is that for me, it's another thing to feel guilty about. But I had, I did the same thing on Saturday, I met a group of friends for lunch. Emily was with her dad. And then I had a couple of drinks as well, like drinking in the daytime. Yeah. And that hasn't happened for years. And it was just lovely to be me and to, you know, we have probably talked about the kids for 90% of the time, but actually just to be able to share. And that's another reason again that I do what I do because you're not alone in feeling how you feel and it doesn't mean we hate our children you know by saying this is hard or actually I really enjoy time away from them but there is guilt attached to that you know that we're not all these natural and we're with them 100% of the time and yeah it's it's just lovely you know so that was my self-care but I not get on free cocktails on Saturday. <laughs>
0: That's sounds great I'm fun sure I, might have to, should... uh, I might have to join you with that one day but it's so we... funny you say about going for a wee I remember the first time that I went to the toilet and shut the door without the girls following me I felt so liberated
1: (laughs) (laughs) on that day that was your self-care that was just your bit of you And, and you know it's not a spa day it's not taking luxurious long walks is just sometimes just a wee on your own
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah because yeah. I used to sometimes have them on my lap and then like <laughs> you know the other one would desperately need something at that very moment and like they hadn't asked me before and then suddenly it was kind of a matter of life or death and they had to have it but I was just on the toilet and couldn't oh, do anything
1: every mum has mastered that I've got a baby in the front carrier wee as well at some point trying to scoop their legs out the way so you don't on them you know it's uh (laughs) <laughs> it's a glamorous business, this parenting. Um, but I hope that for my daughter and my stepdaughter, I, I just showed them that actually, I'm, I don't want to use the word selfish because I don't think I am being selfish, but that I can do the things that I want to do and keep the things that are important to me. So for me, a fundamental thing for being a mum was that the majority of the days I wanted to be at the school gates because I had that with my mum or my grandmother always pick me up. And that was really, that's in my family. That's in my moral compass. And I agreed with it and I wanted to... So I've always done work that allows me to do that. And I've been really lucky and I'm so grateful that I'm able to do that. The majority of the time, she's a childminder in the dad picks up on another day. So the majority of the time I'm there. But if that, when my daughter's older, if she doesn't, if that doesn't fit with her code, then that I want to say to her that's okay as well, you know, that she. And you can't tell her now what's going to be all right. She has to find it out for herself. But it's lovely with like talking about careers and things with the children. They could literally be anything. And that's what I say to them. It's such an exciting time to be alive because there's no limits on what she can do. You know, she can wear a football kit out and I was going to go, oh, that girl's in a football kit. They're like, cool, girl's in a football kit. I was saw a little girl on the playground this morning and she was like Princess Anna. And last week she was Spider-Man. And I was like, I literally can't wait to get to the school gates to see what this kid's coming at. She's one of the younger siblings And I just think how wonderful is that You know, it's not like, oh I think even when I was younger It was very much like girls are princesses And boys are teenage ninja turtles Whatever it was so I think we started to push those boundaries then, whereas now I don't think she has that sort of battle, but I think there are different battles. You know, like you say, we can't go around Tesco without them having to make a video about it for their... They, they don't ever upload it anywhere. They just love it. Like, oh, so today we're here again. They're like, we're going to get the sugar. Which one should we get? And they have to talk about it and they do this sort of like thing. And, and it makes my Tesco shop a lot easier. So I don't mind it. Again, it's just how the world's kind of changing and then making sure that they're safe within that and knowing the boundaries of uh sort of like safety online and that and that sort of thing
0: that's daunting isn't it the safety online aspect because I guess kind of when we were growing up it, we were much more protected in our own little bubble and yeah. now that bubble's definitely expanded but then at the same time because they've grown up with it they tend to know a lot more about it than we do don't they they're just so used to as they get older they know not to click on certain emails because they know that there'll be a virus or or their spam or something, and and yeah. it, it's just so natural to them. Whereas like, I try to explain to the girls that when we were growing up in the eighties, the internet was only just kind of taking off, and no one knew about it at all. It wasn't the thing. And phones, you know, you had to go and sit somewhere to talk to somebody on the phone. You couldn't just go and yeah. go anywhere you wanted with the phone. Like um, our phone was in the kitchen, so we had to stand in the kitchen and by the back door, and it was unimaginable these days.
1: Yeah, getting a cordless landline, that was like, amazing. I can go up to my bedroom and talk to my friends on this massive phone. But yeah, it's, and we're the first generation who've had to parent. And it's so, um I work a lot with parents establishing boundaries around internet usage because every family is so different. And some children are allowed to use their phone, you know, take it to their bedrooms with them and play on their games and the parents feel comfortable to that. Other parents, you know, I mean, I find that if my daughter spends too much time on the internet, like watching YouTube and things, I find her behaviour really hard to manage. Because she's seeing all these unrealistic expectations You know, like children going into the toy shops And going, build up your trolley in 10 seconds And the most you can get in there and that's what you get to keep And to her at seven There's a difference between reality and, and fantasy And actually that that's not a real situation Not that she's expecting me to take her to a toy shop and do that But it's a real come down for her So we've managed and limit that time for that purpose Because then I find her behaviour is impacted And, you know, I don't want her sat on the internet all day But I, I have when I've had to work And, you know, it's the holiday time you know we do use it as a resource then as well so don't necessarily think it's a purely negative thing and think working with each family it's really important to find out what's their boundary around it what's important to them what impact does the internet have on their family and obviously the safety aspect is kind of across the board you know parent safety measures on helping them with that so yeah, it's, it's a real mind builder and I get a lot of questions about it. And I think I worry about her vulnerability of being a young girl and sort of pressure to take selfies and that sort of thing and sharing them and also how that impacts your career. I had a friend who went for a job and then because what she did for her previous work meant that she was in a bikini a lot of time, they actually didn't employ her because she didn't represent the company in the way that they wanted to. So how actually your personal social media can impact your whole career choices. And that can start from when they're, is it 14 they're allowed on Facebook and Instagram or or legally or whatever. It's just understanding the impact of them and how it can impact the whole of their future and not just the immediate sort of, yeah. And I I think about things like that when I'm sharing posts about my family and think, oh, if someone comes to this in 10 years time, you know, could they use it to pick on her? Or I don't know, because I don't have a son. I don't know if I would feel differently about it but I do feel more protective and a bigger responsibility about teaching her to respect herself and to know when to say no and to know that it's just a photo, you know, whatever, but actually the implications of what that could mean. And it's age and stage appropriate of when you sort of feed that information across to her, you know, at the moment she doesn't have contact with their friends outside of school, but when they get to secondary school, I mean, 10, 11, they're sort of texting each other all the time, aren't they? So and you run into difficult issues as well about their privacy you know so if you've got a 10 or 11 year old and you're checking their phone are you then going against their privacy and reading their messages or is that actually a responsibility we have as parents it's a hard time to be a parent i think privacy
0: thing is basically they're still children so it's mm. our responsibility until they're 18 to check that they are safe and that we're doing as much as possible so yes it is difficult with a privacy thing but that's kind of like anything though my seven-year-old is much more aware of getting undressed in front of of other people before she used to be quite happy to just strip off and be naked now if anyone's over she will go into her bedroom and get dressed and undressed whereas if we're all on our own she'll just strip off in the living room and just get dressed and um, I guess at some point in the near future she will just decide that she wants to be naked on her own and not have us watching and and also the girls are are happy to bath together yeah Um, so I mean they they're used to bathing with their cousins. So they're like quite sociable bathers, I suppose. Um, but
1: <laughs> they, um,
0: well, I mean, they don't so much anymore, but they would. Even their male cousins who are the same age as them, they would still do that. Yeah. But then I, like my older niece and nephew, don't do that anymore. Like one of them's a teenager. So and I think that long. has to
1: be really led by them. You know, obviously we are a step family and we're merging. So I've been really careful about getting changed in front of my step daughter. And not making her feel uncomfortable Whereas she just doesn't care at all So the other day I was getting changed And I just sort of pushed the door to And she was like, why is Emily and Daddy allowed in there? And I'm not And I was like, well, because I'm getting changed, darling But if you want to come in, you're more than welcome I've got nothing to hide But I just, I was more protecting you Because it's not really that pretty underneath But, you know, if you want to come in, come on in And actually she was like, oh, okay, that's fine But actually with the girls, I chuck them both in the bath at the same time She's 11, you know, she's going to secondary school The body changes and things are happening and so I just pulled her aside the other few weeks ago and said look if you ever get to the stage where you don't want a bath with Ams don't feel like you can't tell me that because obviously I'm a step mum you know I don't have that sort of where she's going oh I'm not doing that we're not I don't think she would feel comfortable well hopefully she would but I just wanted to out it so if you ever don't feel comfortable and you don't want to go in the bath with her just say I'm going to have one later I'm not going to get cross it's not a problem you know and she was like why would I say that you know and again it's me putting my adult stuff on it she just wants to get in that bath and play Barbies and wash the hair and play their little games that they play and and she was excited for that and I was too, all too aware of her body and how it's changing and just wanted to make her feel comfortable um so hopefully when that time comes and she goes oh I'll just bath later that that's okay and, and that's what we'll we'll do at that time but Yeah, it is a real being aware. And my daughter is, she goes to her dad. So when they go out together, she has to go into the men's toilets and things. And I think at what age does it change? You know, seven, I wouldn't want her going to the girls' toilets on her own. She probably wouldn't do it anyway. But when would I not want her in men's toilets when they're out with their dads? uh, There's so much to think about merging the step families because your home becomes a different place you know I'm I don't mind being naked in front of you know I walk around but I was very aware of not making her feel uncomfortable and I know with my fiance he is really careful around Emily because he's not her dad you know when she's here he'll sleep in like full pajamas and stuff and has been really mindful not to get changed in front of her and and she loves nakedness you know she loves body she's absolutely she would like tries to walk in him just to get a peek of a bottom or something like that because she's seven and they're hilarious so it's again it's our grown-up stuff but I'm grateful that he's done that and and taken that path with her but it's uncomfortable it's just another thing that I, again before I became a stepmom and had introduced a stepfather to my daughter it, it's something I hadn't even really considered because it's your home it's your home you know you sh- they should be comfortable and we should be comfortable but it also needs to be respectful of each
0: other yeah exactly yeah that's the thing it like um yeah my husband still walks around naked when he's had a shower or whatever and they don't say anything but i'm sure that that will also come to a point where they'll be questioning it i'm
1: saying
0: yeah, like, like oh my dad way exactly for yeah. other people who've got older children who were happy to see their dad naked or whatever and then suddenly it got to a point where they thought actually i don't want to see that i'm not comfortable with that and then i guess you just adapt with every single stage as well because obviously you know when they're babies you have to do everything for them and like when you're changing their nappy and they're more mobile they they tend to absolutely hate it and it and it's quite a stressful situation because for me I felt like I was violating them in some way but at the same time yeah. it was absolutely essential to change their nappy otherwise they could get ill and it's just basic self-care as well and so uh, like my seven-year-old she does everything herself whereas with my five-year-old we still need to help her after she's been to the toilet and I'm sure at some point soon she will be doing it herself but right now you know it's it's still our duty of care and we just have to be completely respectful of the fact that going to the toilet you're quite vulnerable
1: yeah it's all about them knowing that it's okay to say no this makes me feel uncomfortable so I know that my little girl will still jump in the shower with daddy and I'm cool with that it's her daddy you know he's her father I don't have a problem at seven years old but we did luckily we get on really well and I had a conversation and I said I don't think you've got much longer of this you know just to make you aware and when she says it I want you to hear her because it starts with you you know if you suddenly go no, no no we're in a rush we've got to get in the shower come on we're going in the shower and she's saying no I want to shower on my own I was, it was a hypothetical situation but it was just bringing up that sort of conversation that dialect with him to say at some point she's gonna say stop or I don't feel or not even like I don't feel comfortable or today I think it's so important to hear her because if you respect her boundary now and say actually no, I want to shower on my own it's going to be easier for her in the future to know and I think it you know it comes into it's a really a, a generational thing about like when a family member comes over and giving them hugs and kisses and cuddles and things like that and whether we should force our children to hug and I've never forced her I, I believe that she, my boundary is you acknowledge someone walking in the room say hi how are you that's just politeness she doesn't need to go and give them a hug when they go you say thank you for coming you know we've had a nice time that's politeness that's my boundary you know if she's going to ignore them for me that's just rude but actually I don't expect her to get up and give everyone a hug and a kiss again it's been really interesting that like, of merging the step family because she's now got an additional she calls her nonna so nana because she's nonna my nana uh, not my nana uh, so not we call nonna and I've seen her grow more physical towards her and she will now give her a hug, but it's very much on her terms. And I'm lucky my mother in law is just sort of gone with that as well. She's never been offended by the fact that she won't give her a cuddle. It's just sort of like we're like, yeah, when she's ready, as and when. But again, a few generations ago, I don't actually remember, I was gonna say I was probably encouraged to give hugs and things, but my mum was kind of a pioneer in that she was like, no, the kids, you know, she was very respectful of us and our thoughts. But I think it is a thing that is kind of that's again is changing as our children get older we're more respectful of them saying no because it sets them up for future. It's not just now, it's you're sort of teaching and this is my body and I feel uncomfortable to do something with it, so I don't want to. And it's really hard to blur that with what's rude and what's acceptable. Sometimes, you know, and I get a lot of parents say to me, oh, but they won't hug their grandmother and like, why do they need to? You know, Could we not develop their own little high fives or something that says, I'm acknowledging that you're going and I'm grateful for your presence or I'm grateful that you're going. (laughs) Um, But just something that makes them comfortable why do we have to put them in a situation that makes them uncomfortable so
0: yeah exactly and have you noticed at all whether that's kind of more
1: There's seven nieces and nephews. I've only got one nephew, and he's a hugger. He loves everyone, so I haven't really had personal experience. But I would say that actually, it's more girls are more expected to kind of go and sit on your lap and have a snuggle and do stories and and do that sort of thing, where it's fine for the boys to be tearing around. So, oh, he's gone. Okay, bye. And they go bye. They're sort of running. I think that's a stereotypical norm. But I think I think it's changing across the board in terms of making kids say goodbye and. hug and there's a lot on social media isn't there about it I've seen lots of posts about people saying you know don't force children
0: yeah there is and actually I go a step further and I've actually been in the situation where if my children have wanted to speak I haven't wanted to say goodbye or thank you I will either do it on myself or I will just say well at the moment they're not comfortable to speak and when they're comfortable to speak they will speak because I mean they're both incredibly articulate and they have full-on chats like one of our friends who came over for a meal on Saturday. and he's a bit like a surrogate grandpa and they chat to him so much they literally just can't stop talking to him but other times they might not be feeling very happy in themselves or comfortable or something might be going on internally or externally that's actually causing them to not feel very happy and then they don't want to speak and then they feel but you know that's why people say oh oh, my child's so shy or it's not I don't think it's necessarily shyness I think it's just that they have to feel completely comfortable in that situation so whether they're talking or whether they're physically holding someone's hand or hugging or having a kiss on the cheek or something they just have to be completely comfortable and and also it's the same with with us you know like my daughter wanted to go on my husband's shoulders and he said no and she just said but it's my body daddy and he said but it's also my body and I'm not comfortable with it I don't feel like I want to carry you at the moment and so it's also getting them to understand that it's not just about their bodies and their boundaries it's also So the fact that we also have that, don't get me wrong I absolutely love hugging and I'm re- I'm really affectionate but sometimes I just feel a bit touched out and I just want to kind of sit back and not have someone clambering all over me
1: yeah and you want to say no this is and it, yeah I think that's I think you're spot on I think it is really important to teach not just respect of their own body but respect of other people so if they're playing and someone says you know I don't want to play this game anymore as an only child predominantly most of the time my daughter sometimes finds that hard because she's like "But oh, I want to play it, and I want to play this game and I want to play it now you know as only a lot of people people struggle with any children it's and I have had to work really hard to say actually we've got to respect that because actually it was the other way around you wouldn't like it and I think people coming and going as well is a transition so whilst we put a lot of emphasis and do a lot of work on transitions to school transitions to nursery you know a change in a child's life a person coming into your environment, especially after COVID and then going is sometimes just overwhelming. And that's why, you know, we're in our family, so look, like, if you don't want to talk and you don't want to hug, that's fine. Can you just do a little wave, high five? And that I know she's comfortable with, she has a high five and then she snuggles back in or she does. And it's sort of saying for me, it was just like that. It's important to acknowledge the change, but I get that she gets so overwhelmed. And sometimes I can't even identify why. It's just the transition. She's either like, oh my goodness, I don't really know this person, they're coming into our space. Or I'm so sad you're leaving, I can't deal with this, I don't want you to go. But she can't articulate it because these are huge emotions. And I think we will see more of this after COVID because it's been such a long time since we've had people in our homes that actually even someone coming and going is, you know, we need to deal with it as a transition. I've started doing like visual timetables. Oh, who's coming today? And then just drawing the people. So she's got in her mind's eye who's going to be here. And that works really, really well because it is overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. And again, we take it for granted. It's not only that the generations are changing. We've had this huge global pandemic where life hasn't been how it normally would be. And we can't just expect them Keep your two metres distance Stay clean, stay safe Stay away from each other Oh but this person We want you to jump on them And give them a cuddle It's sort of uh, It's very unfair on our children And sometimes we need to Step back as parents And go oh yeah Actually I get why They're not doing that This is probably really huge For them right now And they're feeling overwhelmed And it's just finding little ways And like you say What you do with your daughters Go I'm really I'm not even sorry You know They're just finding it Overwhelming right now Or they're not able to talk right now It's giving that other person because it's not so nice, is it, when children reject you on a personal level? So, if you ever had it where they won't say goodbye, or it's not nice. So, I think the fact that you're kind of bridging that gap between the children and the other grown up in question is really nice and really important. And um, so, they don't feel hated as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's about protecting other people, but also kind of acknowledging the girls and letting them, like you've said, so they, they know they're heard and listened to. Because, again, throughout history, girls and women have not been listened to, have not been heard. And I want them to know 100% that what they say is completely valid and that they must not be disrespected. They have a very important part of society, regardless of the fact that they're children. They bring so much. They, uh, My eldest really wants to be a doctor and she loves watching YouTube videos of other children playing with Barbies. And sometimes they will have scenes where the Barbie's fallen over and broken her leg or something. And then they'll go, and reenact that when they're playing with their Barbies yesterday she got out her doctor's kit and put on her doctor's overall and my youngest was the patient and then they just kind of reenacted what they'd seen and I just feel like it's really important for her to know that we're listening to her and understanding her and if that's what she wants to do she knows that she's got to put the work into it. But at the same time, like I, I, you know, we would have been told, oh, no, you'll never be a doctor. I mean, I was told all the time, oh, no, no, you'll never do that. It's like with my writing. No, you know, it's so it's such a competitive market. You're never going to achieve anything. So-and-so is a professor of something, and they're really struggling to even get their books out. Um, yeah. And also, you know, because, like, a lot of celebrities have their influences already, so publishers are going to snap them up because they've already got that platform. But for someone who's starting out, it is easy to kind of tell them that they can't do that and I like for me actually it just spurs me on to do it even more but for a lot of people it that's the last straw they'll they'll just completely stop and I just think yeah the amount of time girls have been told that they're not going to achieve anything that they can't and it's still that expectation of them to grow up and meet somebody and have a family and you know women are often asked if they're married or if they have children or you know we're not asked what our hobbies are or what kind of career we have or you know it's it's And then also there was that famous interview with Jennifer Garner. She was asked how she manages to juggle being a successful actress with being a mother. And she just said, you know, hang on a minute, you don't ever ask Ben this. So why are you asking? Why is it? And also like statistically, when a man becomes a dad, he's far more likely to get a promotion and go up in, in the world of business. Whereas women kind of really have to fight for that and often end up going back in their career because they're expected to stay at home and with the pandemic it was the women that the government expected us to be at home you know it wasn't oh you know that like, obviously there are men who are at home stay at home dads parents.
1: yeah I do get that I mean do you think that there are some obviously I've worked with thousands of children over the years and I do think there was a nature nurture debate like I have been in a room and there's no expectation on the boys to play with cars and the girls to play with the dollies but there are gender differences differences and I was part of a huge training that was for how boys learn and teaching boys in a way that they learn and so there are fundamental differences and I do wonder whether there is there is definitely pressure and an expectation on women that they are going to be the ones that take the maternity leave but I do think again this is another thing that's changing I have my best friends are a couple and actually who took a bit of the maternity leave the paternity leave they shared it between them (laughs) because she wanted to go back to work she earned a good salary and he wanted some time with the children and actually he was the first one in the company to do it I believe but he did it and it was acceptable and it's within the law now that he does it because the law has changed and I think we're going to see more of that so I think if they're a sort of shout out for the dads really I think it's a really hard time to be a dad as well because there's an expectation I don't think the boundaries are clear anymore I think it's a free-for-all and I think that's lovely and it's amazing and it's great because you get to parent and be a family how you want to obviously within the confines of earning the money you need to and putting food on the table keeping a roof over your children's head but also it does it is a challenge you know got a brother who's got three daughters and he goes to work all the time and then he comes home and he very much co-parents with his wife which is expected and and everyone goes oh you know isn't he great isn't he wonderful and that frustrates me because she's been to work as well all day and and you know my sister-in-law and she's worked just as hard but she doesn't. Everyone does. Go. Oh, isn't she great? She's working and she's got the children. So I do think I really hear you on that. And but I also think that actually, if men want to be a stay-at-home dad, it is getting easier. It's not the same. It's totally not the same. You know, if you go to a mother and toddler group, it's called a mother and toddler group. You know, if you go to playdays, it's, it's predominantly women. It is harder for men to make that choice. And the the abnormality is not the norm yet. But I think it will change. But I do wonder if we in our sort of DNA you know there's like the men are from mars women are from venus thing like if it we're just set up differently you know we're our brains are wired differently and yeah whether we actually will ever change completely so that it is completely equal or if we had a baby that i should stay at home and he should go to work but it just happens no wonder if it is like the nature next thing where you see little children playing and no one's told the boys that they have to go and play with the cars and no one's played with the dollies and they're oh changeovers but predominantly they do go to their gender toys you know even even with free reign even with no one telling them what they should and shouldn't do it sort of it interests me that's what I would like to say it interests me how they naturally gravitate to different things
0: yeah I agree with you and I've worked with children since I was 15 so I really know where you're coming from I've seen it so many times but I think also you know the subtle messages adverts and the toys in the shop I would say they're so gender specific I don't even know if they were as gender specific they are really and the whole like pink or blue thing that didn't exist gender reveal parties it really is kind of like as if people are just trying to preserve that that's what a boy does that's what a girl does because they're scared that the merge is happening and I would say like my husband is amazing and he definitely co-parents and he feels guilty about the fact that he's the main earner and, and not able to be with the girls as much as I am but that's how we've also set it up as well but you know it's partly because before I had children I was kind of flitting in between one job and another job and none of them were ever well paid I never had the confidence in myself to kind of work my way up and now I feel a lot more confident and comfortable in my field particularly and I really am thankful that I'm able to pursue this but yeah I mean I, I often also feel like maybe I come across as a man hater or something I really absolutely do not hate men I am married to one and I absolutely adore him It
1: just yeah it's, <laughs> like, it's sort of like even with the choices that you had available to you you've sort of naturally fallen into that role of you being a. Best- stay at home mum and your husband earning the money and I'm just saying I think to kind of just like finish what I'm saying about it like that's okay that's actually okay and we shouldn't feel like we should be working or we should be doing something else and actually if it's the husband that wants to stay at home and this is why it really excites me about this time is that it is it is okay for either it definitely is still like oh if it's a dad at home definitely it would be lovely if we could lose that and hopefully by the time our children are grown-ups so that it won't be there it will be a conversation rather than an expectation or a sort of a given but we are the ones that carry the babies it is a huge huge ordeal to have a baby and we're sort of expected to bounce back and get back to work and I think we need to allow even within that the recovery time for your body to your hormones and your everything that goes on during pregnancy to resettle before you're expected to go out there and sort of smash it again and maybe that's why it is predominantly women because we're the one that is sort of need that recovery period period not that you really get it with a screaming baby to be fair do you it's not like uh you should give birth and then get to do two weeks in the Bahamas and then come back and parent you know I think that would be great
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and also, you know, with the primary carer thing it is generally the women who are feeding the babies, regardless of how they're fed, it, it, you know, we're doing the, the majority of the feeding. And the, I mean, nappy changes, like my dad never did any nappy changes. My husband had to do all of the nappy changes when they were born because they were both C-section and I physically couldn't do it and he's yeah. done as many as I have so that again is completely changing and I would say the children's groups we used to go to at our children's centre there were a lot of dads who used to come even if they even if they were just working so that they knew that they had a specific day off so they could be with their children <laughs> and, and give the mum a, a rest or if they were the primary carer or if they were single dads or you know anything I don't remember thinking it was weird that there were dads there I just chatted to them and chatted to the mums as well and so yeah. Definitely has shifted
1: Yeah My dad was literally You know He worked an awful lot And he was also like In a band Because he was You know Both my parents worked Which predominantly my mum And I and I think My my mum actually said A few weeks ago That my dad was kind of He was rare You know That he would take The four of us I'm On one of four Take us down the park On a Saturday morning And people were And it really frustrated My mum as well Because they'd be like Oh isn't he great You know He's such a hands on He was doing nappies Whereas my mum's father Would never He had four children I don't believe That he changed a nappy You know or maybe he did one and it was a monumental day it is sort of changing but i just hope for our children that more than anything they're in a loving respectful relationship where they have their needs heard and their wants heard you know so if they say actually I would like to go to work and their partner goes yeah okay cool how can I make that happen you know and it's a teamwork and that's ultimately what I want for her if she wants to stay at home with her children and that makes her happy do it but I see these girls now and I think they'll be far more willing to put their point across I don't think they'll be quiet and I think if they're anything like the sassy seven-year-olds we've got now <laughs> they'll be very articulate in putting their points across so that's my hope for her really that she has choice. Yeah, the and choice, it.
0: and also the fact you explain things like the gender pay gap and the lack of opportunity worldwide for women, and the fact yeah, that and they the,
1: challenge it. They this is and really, they question it, at it every single stage.
0: Exactly, it's alien they, for them though, isn't it? It's just like well, why is that happening? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. I hope they question and they challenge things in the way that they do now, all the, for all their lives. So
0: excellent, right? I think that's uh, a wrap for today, but thank you so much. it's been really wonderful chatting
1: oh no it's been so lovely i've absolutely loved it it's been um really good it's made me actually really reflective about a lot of stuff as well you know it has got lots of points to think on that we don't ever stop and think so it's great thank you
0: for listening to this episode of the farting feminist podcast my mission is to encourage all girls and women to know how incredible they truly are you can find out more about the work i'm doing at www.alicecloverstories.com please don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family